happily engaged in preaching and they were all crowded into one little place. Srila Bhaktisiddhanta said that they barely had enough money to buy rice, which is an amazing statement since it's in Bengal. Rice seems to be pretty readily available there. But his mood, Srila Bhaktisiddhanta's mood was, after they had purchased a gigantic building, they actually didn't purchase it, it was given by one of his disciples who gave his life's blood and all his money to build the flagship temple in Calcutta. How many of you have been there to that temple? Just a few of us? And afterwards, the devotees were concerned, apparently, about who got to stay in which room and other kinds of symptoms of being attached to the building and the trappings of success in the Gaudiya Math. And he, he said, we were better off in Ultadunga. Like when we were in that rundown place in the slum, but we were all preaching. And so then it takes us back to that place and Prabhupada had gone there. Our Prabhupada had visited when he was a student and he met, met Srila Bhaktisiddhanta there. And there he had walked up the steps. You can think of that fateful time when Prabhupada went there and was invited by a friend to come and meet Srila Bhaktisiddhanta. His, his friend said, that is Prabhupada's friend said, this isn't an ordinary sadhu. And this is one of the One of the statements in the Shastra is that it doesn't take very long to attain perfection by meeting a sadhu. So remember how Prabhupada walked up the stairs and the same stairs are there, they're preserved. They rebuilt the place, but they saved the stones that Prabhupada walked on. They saved as many of the original stones there as possible. And whatever they re they're replacing or if they have replaced there, they used original materials, that is the same types of things that the building was made with previously. So Prabhupada, imagine he stepped on, he walked up about 12 steps, and you can see the first step he put his foot on. That's the direction going upwards towards his Guru Maharaj that brought us all together here. Haribo. Haribo! Just... Uh, the impetus to walk up to meet a sadhu. And he, he stepped on that first step, and then the second step, third step, fourth step, 12 steps up. And then he went before his to-be, Guru Maharaj. And as he was offering obeisances, before he could come back up again, that's the Lava Matra. You know this verse, Sadhu Sangha, Sadhu Sangha, Sarva Shastrikoi, Lava Matra Sadhu Sangha Sarva Siddhi Hoy. So what does it mean? Somebody say? But you have to take the mic. Where's the mic? Okay. Prabhu, you want to say? Yes. Only, uh, the yeah, mic. You, no credit without mic. Only a fraction of a second with the sadhu we can attain perfection. Thank you very much. Yes. Lava Matra indicates a fourteenth of a second. So maybe that's the time Prabhupada was offering obeisances and just as he was sitting back up again, then his Guru Maharaj was saying to him that you should preach this message to the Westerners 
and take it in English. And uh, Prabhupada was surprised of how much he was, he resonated with that. Although he put some arguments, he said, to Chila Prabhupada, to his uh, guru, that uh, we need to be independent in India before people will listen to us. But Srila Bhakti Siddhanta was resolute. So this morning we heard about the association of sadhus. Remember Satam Satam. Satam prasangamama virya sambhido bhavanti karna rasayana kata tej joshanad ashwa pavargavart mani shradaratir bhakti anukra mishrati means when you associate with sadhus then you'll advance in devotional service and then there's three progressive stages that are mentioned. They're very general categories but he says shraddha, rati, bhakti. These three things happen step by step. So shraddha you know what this word shraddha means, anybody? Faith. Faith. So the word breaks down like this. Shrad means the heart. And da is an active verb. It means where you place something. So literally, shraddha, everyone say shraddha. Shraddha. Shraddha means where you place your heart. What are you putting your heart into? Who here has ever put their heart into something? I mean... You were just carried away. Your heart pulled you in a certain direction and you were fully dedicated to something or someone. Nobody? Okay. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. The rest of you have been, haven't been getting out enough. <laughs> it's natural for us human beings to give our heart somewhere. Of course, any living entity has a propensity to love and give him or herself to others, to another especially. You can see it in the animals. They love their offspring. They'll protect them. They'll die for them. Grizzly bears, they'll kill you if you get near their young, the mama bear. And so there's this natural way that we give our hearts in one place or another. This is Shraddha, but <clears throat> In reality, our heart is meant for Krishna because he's the, the source of everything and everyone. And he's the reservoir of all relationships, loving relationships. So, Shraddha Shabde Vishwas Kohe Sudre Dhanashchoy Krishna Bhakti Koila Sarva Karma Kritahoy. This is the definition of Shraddha. So, Shraddha Shabde Vishwas Kohe Sudre Dhanashchoy. So, this firm conviction develops in the heart that just by doing bhakti, nothing else required, only bhakti. What's bhakti anyway? Could somebody give me a quick definition? You could quote a verse. If you quote a verse, you get 20 points. You, and, but you don't get any points without the microphone. You have to demand the mic before you speak, and then if you speak the verse, then you get 20 points. Can you do more? Okay, anyway, uh, very good. 20 points you get. Who spoke the verse? In reply to? What did Hirani Kashipu want to hear about? Sachi? He wants to hear about himself. Yeah, kind of. He sent... 
Prahlad off to business school and he wanted to hear about how he was going to make money and take over the world and politics. But then he asked him, so what did you learn in school? And he said, I learned about Krishna. Hare Krishna, Dad. So <laughs> his father wasn't very happy. So it's a, the firm conviction, an ever-increasing conviction, Shraddha, that when I do bhakti, when I just serve Krishna without any hesitation, no motivation, no deviation, then everything is perfectly done. Sarva karma kritahoy. All other things that I need to do, like what kind of things do you need to do in life? What are the necessities? According to Maslow's uh, pyramid of hierarchy of needs, what do you have to do? Eat. You have to eat, right? Do you guys get to eat to this today? Yeah. Krishna fed you again? Yes. All right. Yay! Haribo! <laughs> yeah, Krishna feeds all the living entities. His nitya nityanam, chetanas chetananam, eko bahunam yo vidhati kaman. This is a common theme that's in the Shastra explaining how Krishna is taking care of everyone. Prabhupada puts it like this He said, When you go to prison, they feed you. Anybody ever here go to prison? Come on, you're not preaching hard enough then. Yeah, there he is, Maharaj. <laughs> did, they, did they try to feed you in there? <laughs> 30 or 40 times only. <laughs> if you join the Hare Krishna movement before 1980 or after, before that, you went to jail sometimes. In jail, they feed you. They have to. They give you regular meals. In fact, I know a devotee well. He's initiated. I went to visit him in the Arizona prison. He's in for life. No possibility of parole. And he uh, wears orange, much like that. <laughs> Keeps his head shaved. And he has his books in his cell. Very regulated schedule in there. Everybody up at a certain time. Everybody to sleep, lights out. No drugs. No illicit sex. No con... No gambling allowed. So, and uh, it's very regulated. So the Shraddha Shabde Vishwas Kahisura Dhanashoy. Krishna feeds everybody, just like we're in prison here in the material world. It's already happening. Tasyaivaheto prayateta kovido. Who could finish the verse? Tasyaivaheto prayateta kovido. Nalabhyate yad brahmatam upariyada. Anyone? Talabhyate. You still get 20 points if you tell what the verse means. He needs the mic. Just go for it. If you're wrong, you'll go down in flames. It's related to what we're just talking about. It's Narada Muni, and he's talking about how a person who's intelligent, a kovida, it doesn't endeavor so hard for the necessities of life because he or she knows that those are naturally taken care of. They come in due course of time. And the, the logic he gives is that you get bad things in your life, things you didn't actually want, right? Please say yes. Yes. Yeah, you keep a little talisman up, a lot of little insignias. In America, we use a horseshoe. That's supposed to bring good luck. 
I could never figure out the rabbit's foot thing, but that's a thing in America for good luck. In India, you find Lakshmi everywhere, outside the house, inside the house, little shoes here and there. Invite Lakshmi to come in the house. Doesn't necessarily mean you won't get any bad things, right? Only one person? Yeah. So just as, you, as those reversals of fortune come, so similarly, then the good things will come too, naturally. Everything comes by the, will, uh, by the course of time. Kalina sarvatra kapira ramasa. So you don't have to try so hard. So a person who's fixed in bhakti, who has shraddha, feels that if I dedicate my heart and mind and work to Krishna, then naturally uh, everything's there. And I'll, I'll perfectly develop in all ways, materially, psychologically, spiritually, just by doing bhakti. And so that's, uh, that's faith. How do we get there? Talking about faith. Yeah, Shraddha Rati Bhaktir. So Shraddha awakens by Sadhusanga. And this is uh, the way that Bhakt, that um, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu teaches about the importance of Sadhusanga. He says uh, Krishna Bhakti Janmamul, uh, that it's the Janmamul, it's the basis of all Bhakti is association with sadhus. And that uh, the birth of devotional service uh, takes place when we meet a devotee. And he says also uh, that when we come in faith to devotional service, even when we develop prema, that's still maintained by sadhusanga. So Srila Prabhupada had gone up the stairs, he went, he sat before his spiritual master, and just within a fraction of a second, his guru recognized something in him because just like Narada Muni, he's described as one who can enter the hearts of all. He's so spiritually potent, he can see into the hearts of all living entities. And similarly, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur recognized something in this young person who had come to see him and he gave him an instruction right away. Does anybody know? Can re you remember how Prabhupada described it? I just said it a minute ago. Yeah. Can you say it again? Uh, to, uh, preach the you only get, uh, it only counts with the mic. I can't shout. <laughs> but online they still can't hear you. I see. Okay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> the, Preach, he told him to preach the message of Mahaprabhu in the English speaking. Yes. So, just in that, in that moment, um, Prabhupada's heart was touched by the order of his spiritual master. And then that grew from that seed. He said from that day, he was incubating for 12 years before he took initiation. And he was always meditating on the order of his spiritual master. And even he thought about how to spread Krishna consciousness. And then he finally was able to execute the order fully by coming to the United States and then going around the world. And that all came from that one brief encounter with his Guru Maharaj. 
where he had received an order. So in the Bhagavatam, Prabhupada writes that the order of the Supreme Personality of Godhead is a manifestation of his internal potency. And it is by that potency that one comes to see the Supreme Personality of Godhead face to face. So from, from sadhus, one of the ways that we get mercy is by getting service. Because devotees have service, they've received it, and they've fully executed the service, or they've executed it to the best of their ability, and then they have service to share with others. So sadhu sangha, one of the deep meanings of sadhu sangha is to receive ser service from a devotee, who's received service from a devotee, who's received service from a devotee. In this way, we get a meaning in our life. Without having service to the pure devotees, then we don't have any meaning in our life. We just have working hard for no real reason. You know what that's called? According to the Srimad Bhagavatam? Shrama. Everyone say Shrama. Shrama is not good. It means working hard for no, no tangible result or purpose. Shrama. Because when, as we discussed this morning, when you work hard in the material world, ultimately, pa 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 ma, it, it's all for naught, N-A-U-G-H-T. You lose it, ultimately. But then there's ashrama, which means a place where you work for the highest purpose. So that's when we get the order of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So the, the way that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu spoke about the 64 items of devotional service was that he explicated all of them, he listed all the 64, and then he gave five. And he said, these five are so potent that even if you don't have faith in them, but you have a little connection with them, even a little bit, alpam means small, you'll still come to the perfectional stage by regularly touching with these five. So one of them is sadhu sangha, if you associate with devotees. So it's important to cultivate sadhu sangha. One of the ways is to pray for it. Pray for association with devotees. One of the ways I like to pray before I chant japa is to ask the Lord, please give me the best of association and the intelligence and wherewithal to take advantage of it. Because as we were speaking in the car on the way home from the airport yesterday, we may come into good association, but we may not be able to take advantage of it. There may be great association, and then we have some other thing to do. But to have free and clear association with advanced devotees is the path to advancement in devotional service. So we should pray for it and try to get it as much as possible. Another way that's recommended by Bhaktivinoda Thakur to advance in devotional service is to remember the sadhus. What is a sadhu, by, by the way, anyway? Like the word, where does it come from us? What's sadhu come from? Anybody know Prabhu? He, Prabhu said eternal. I'll just repeat it for him. Actually, <coughs> There's three words that are related that we're all familiar with, probably. One of them is sadhana. Everyone say sadhana. Sadhana. So, 
Sadhana means you're working, you're practicing towards a sadhya or a goal. So we, we have a goal. And according to the sadhya, according to the goal that you're trying to attain, then you take a particular kind of practice. So our practice is bhakti because our goal is prema. Prema pumarto mahan. The ultimate goal of life is to develop prema for Krishna. So all of the practices that we're doing are meant to bring us to the point of prema, reawakening love for Krishna that's dormant within our hearts. And then, what is the name of a person who's practicing sadhana? Sadhu. Sadhu or sadhaka, yeah. So a sadhu is somebody who's working towards a sadhya, and that's the main purpose in their life, is to come to the goal. They may have other things to do, or they may not be very good at doing devotional service at, the partic- at this particular time. In fact, they may have worldly attractions or associations. Is that possible? That somebody has the goal of developing prema, but they're really kind of mixed up in the material world still? Is that possible? Yes. What does Krishna think about such a person? Okay. Madhva Prabhu said he still likes him, and he'll back that up with a very important verse from the Bhagavatam as soon as somebody yes. gives him the microphone. Could we have the mic back? Madhva. What did she say? Say, give proof. You have to give proof, like in a court of law, when you make a point that... You, you gave a philosophical point, and that is that Krishna still likes you if your goal is prema, and that's your full intention, but you're distracted. You may even exhibit some worldliness or a lot of it. Krishna is Bhavadraka Janardana. He sees only the good things, uh, and he ignores the rest, the garbage. So this is his character. That's why he... He loves us still, even though we are abominable. Can you give an example of where that term came from and who was involved in why Krishna saw the good in him? Um, Bali Maharaj. That comes up in that section of the Bhagavatam. Bali Maharaj was in a demoniac line. He comes from a line of demons. That's one strike against you. And then... He was engaged in a big sacrifice after he had stolen the heavenly kingdom from Indra. That's not very nice, right? Say yeah. Yeah, it's not very good. And then, then the Supreme Personality of God had went to visit Bali in what form? Who can do the Bhartanatyam version? Does anybody know the mudra or, to, or can stand like Bali Maharaj? Do you know Bharatanatyam? Oh, Javi Prabhu can do it. Oh, no. <laughs> he can do anything. Uh, Bali Maharaj. Yeah, you know it? He's thinking, he's thinking. Oh, good, good, show. Yeah, so these are beautiful because Supreme Lord's a person, he came to Bali Maharaj as a beautiful boy. In fact, one of the most beautiful forms mentioned in the Lagu Bhagavatamrita of Krishna is Vaman. You can't take your eyes off him. He's so beautiful. 
the, he's just charming. He's a young boy, got a Brahmin's thread, he's got a little umbrella. I mean, he, he's so cute and beautiful, no one, could, no one could resist him. So he went in, and Bali was giving charity at the time, so here's this little boy, Brahmin. King says, what would you like? It's three paces of land. So come on, I'm the emperor, you take more, something more. So if I'm not satisfied with three paces of land, I won't be satisfied with three islands. You can give me huge kingdoms, I won't be happy because the main point of satisfaction is my senses have to be controlled. So all I need is just three paces of land, someplace I can lie down, that's no problem. Of course, he saw greatness in Bali, because at that time when Bali Maharaj saw Vamandev, he thought, he's so beautiful, I want to surrender to him. That was in his heart. So later, when uh, it was revealed, yeah, go ahead, say No, I just wanted to say that uh, it, it, it's even more intense because it's even more intense because Shukracharya told him, don't do it. And he went against the order of his spiritual master. And this is even, I mean, like, he did something totally unusual. Like, he, he totally ignored karma kanda and everything. He ignored everything. He really surrendered totally. Like, he just... He totally surrendered. He went against his guru. And, of course, Vaman then expanded in such a way that he took away everything that Bali thought he had. We all think we have something. It all belongs to Krishna. It's government property. Got to give it back. And after he chastised Bali by tying him up, ropes of Varuna, and Bali tolerated. And then it's mentioned that <clears throat> Vamandev gave him so much opulence. What, what to speak of, he gave himself. He became his doorkeeper and won't leave his side. Sometimes people like Durvas came to ask Vaman if he could help come fight in certain wars. And he said, no, not without the permission of Bali. I'm sold out to him. So why? Because it's Bhavagrahi Janardana, and he knew in the heart of Bali that he had this intention of surrendering. And even if he couldn't do it at the time, he, Vamadev, recognized the essence that he wanted to surrender. But I'm looking from reverse from Bhagavad Gita. Not but, and I'm also looking for famous verse from Bhagavad Gita where Krishna says a sadhu. Somebody is, not a sadhu, somebody is sadhu. You still don't get any credit without the mic. You're just testing it before you're doing the mic. Bhajate mam ananya bhag. Sadhu. Sadhu eva hi samatya. Anyway, we're Baba Grahijanarda. We take the essence. Okay, so he said the apichet sudaracharo, even if your sudaracharo means even if you have worldly behavior at the time. Bhajate mam ananya bhag. Sadhureva samantavya samyag vyabastohisa. He said, to everybody, he said, you, you have to consider this person saintly because their intention is to serve me. And uh, 
there's the distinction when your intention is right. Sometimes we have these programs in America. I don't know if you have them here, but it's called meetup.com. Have you ever heard of that? You register your group, and then people look in to see what your programs are, and they can come to your programs, whether they're at your house or temple or something. And so a lot of spiritual seekers go around. So many people from Meetup, they'll see it on the web, and then they'll come to your program. And many of them have heard of Krishna, so they say that Krishna is a thing. It's definitely a thing. But devotees say Krishna is the thing. The thing. That's the distinction. There's nothing more. Krishna is the thing. Everyone say. Krishna is the thing. That's our heart. Krishna is the thing. He's everything. And when a person has that determination, Krishna is the thing. Krishna says, okay, you may be externally not up to the standard now, but because that's your decision in your heart that I'm the thing, then this person, Krishna's saying, this person, you have to consider, he's telling all of us, you consider this person a saintly person, a sadhu, because their determination's right. Then he tells Arjuna to declare it boldly. Shri Prambhavati Dharma Ma Shashvashchantum Nagashati Kaunteya Pratijani Hinami Bhakti Pranashati. He said, You declare it out loud to the whole world that this person is going to come to the perfect stage because of this determination within his or her heart. So, this is the determination of a sadhu. Krishna is the thing. And the person is dedicated to becoming Krishna's devotee, has this faith that the, if I am able just to give myself my attention to Krishna, then everything else is done. So one of the other ways to, to develop love for sadhus is to remember the sadhus, to hear about them. And there's a beautiful song. If somebody can equip... Habib Prabhu, do you want to sit up here in a chair and play the harmonium on this stand? Yeah, well... We'll beg you to play the harmonium, but uh, do you want to s- sit up with like this? You can, but it's better if you sit in a chair. For you, what's better technically? Te- like technically, what's better? <laughs> Sitting down, okay. Somebody mind moving this harmonium down for Javi Prabhu? I'd like to welcome His Grace Javi Prabhu, who is a dedicated... Disciple of Srila Prabhupada since the early 70s and has uh, been lighting up the world with his bhajan ever since. And um, we're going to um, sing a song that's in your songbook about the devotees. And I'll teach you a, a line from it and we'll go over the translation. It goes like this. Ajastra smara smara re. Ajastra smara smara re. Re means like, oh, this is amazing. So ajastra, ajastra smara smara re, say. Ajastra smara smara re. 
Ajasra smara smara re. Page 56. So, no, no, it's not 56. It's on page 54. And this song is by Bhaktivinoda Thakur. And it's, it's called Bhajan Gita. And when you sing this song, you'll, you'll hear the names of famous sadhus. So, just by hearing the names of the great devotees, uh, we get spiritual advancement. And so Bhaktivinoda Thakur says, Ajastra smada smadare. Just remember, oh, just remember these uh, great sadhus, these great devotees of the Lord. I heard this bhajan once early in the morning at Govardhan Hill. I was on Parikrama. It was dark. I couldn't see in front of me, except I knew there was a sadhu in front of me singing this song as he was walking along. And practically he was, had, uh, it sounded like he was, had some emotion, tears in his eyes perhaps. I couldn't see. It was too dark. But that's how his voice sounded. He was by himself, so he wasn't showing off for anybody. It was very early in the morning. And he was singing the song. And I got up close and followed behind him because it was so attractive to, to hear this song. And as soon as I got back, I said, I have to find where this bhajan is. So I searched and I found the bhajan by Bhaktivinoda Thakur that he was singing. And here's the translation. And uh, we'll, just, we'll just do a little harmonium in the background. That's... My dear mind, how foolish you are. Oh, just worship. Oh, just worship the lotus feet of Radha and Krishna in the forests of Raja. Oh, without such worship, there's no means of spiritual advancement. Would you like to read with me? Yeah, let's do it together. Let's start at the top. It's so nice just saying it. You'll feel the devotional power of this song. My dear mind, how foolish you are. Oh, just worship. Oh, just worship the lotus feet of Radha and Krishna in the forests of Raja. Oh, without such worship, there is no means of spiritual advancement. Just worship the lotus feet of Radha and Krishna in the forests of Raja. Oh, giving up all speculative knowledge and materialistic activities. Just worship Gora, Gadadhar, Advaita, and Lord Nityananda, the original spiritual master. Oh, knowing that Lord Gora and Lord Krishna to be the same. Oh, knowing the spiritual master to be very dear to Krishna. Just remember the dear associates of Lord Chaitanya, namely Srivas Thakur, Haridas Thakur, Marari Gupta, and Mukunda Datta. Oh, in deep love for Lord Gora, you should remember, just remember, just remember the two great personalities, Shivas Thakur and Haridas Thakur. Just remember Sri Rupa Goswami, Sanatan, Jiva, and the two Raghunaths. Oh, if you are engaged in worshipping Lord Krishna, just remember the two great souls, Sri Rupa Goswami and Sanatan Goswami. Just remember Raghava Pandit, Gopal Bhatta Goswami, Sorup Damodar Goswami, and Ramananda Roy. Oh, if you really seek love of Krishna, just remember Sorup Damodar Goswami and Ramananda Roy. Just remember Srila Kavi Karnapur and all his family members, 
especially his father, Shivananda saying, Oh, always remember, always remember. Ajastra smara smarare. Shri Kavi Karnapur and his family. Just remember all the sadhus who follow the path of Shri Rupa Goswami and who are absorbed in the ecstasy of bhajan. Oh, if you actually want resonance in the land of bhajan, just remember the sadhus who are followers of Srila Rupa Goswami. So, in the 11th canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam, we'll find Krishna speaking to Uddhava about the various systems of advancing in spiritual life, jnana yoga, and then there's the process of mystic yoga and sankhya. Many of these chapters are very long, karma yoga. They're thick chapters. It takes a long time to read them. And then you come to the chapter on bhakti. It's a very short chapter. You'd be surprised, as many of you have already read this section, but the bhakti section is very simple. Krishna says that you should see that he's within everyone's heart. And you should offer obeisances to the Lord within the heart of every living being. Of course, we also try to follow the Lord's instruction to do good for others. And he's most pleased by that, as he says in the Bhagavad Gita. Shivananda Sane used to take the devotees from Navadvip all the way to Jagannath Puri. They stay for four months together with Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. They joyfully walked all the way from Navadweep to Puri. They'd all bring gifts, Raghunath. There's Damayanti, who cooked for the Lord. And she brought bags. They had several people to carry them because she cooked enough for the Lord to eat for one whole year continuously. In her bags, they brought all kinds of gifts. So as they started off, you can imagine all the great souls who were there in the party at Vaitacharya. Sometimes Lord Nityananda was traveling with them. And all the devotees of Navadvip who were only thinking of Mahaprabhu 24 hours a day. He had gone away and taken sannyas and left them. In fact, even today, we worship the deities with Gornitai. We don't worship Lord Jaitanya as a sannyasi because in the mood of the devotees in Navadvip, they're always thinking of the Lord with his beautiful hair and the clothes and bangles that he wore there, so attractive. They couldn't stop thinking of him. So they get the opportunity to go see Chaitanya Mahaprabhu once a year. What a joyful party that was. Walking on the roads, getting on boats together. I'm going on Yatra is so nice. You get on boats together and you sing the holy names then you go to holy places. And they were going to the best of all places to Jagannath Puri to, to be with Mahaprabhu. So one day when they set out a dog came and approached this party of Mahabhagavatas and the dog was hopeful to join the, join the team. Dogs like to run in packs. And this dog so it was fortunate because 
it saw the, the devotees and thought, yeah, I'll be part of this one. Let me join. And Shivananda Sain saw the dog and he said, you're with us. This is the heart of the devotee. Always looking through the world at every second and thinking, who's going to be attracted? How can I bring them in? They try to create circumstances where people will see it and get attracted and then they can be brought in. Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur used to put on these huge Harinam festivals. And in the outside, they have cotton candy. You know cotton candy? Yeah, you guys know. It's good and good for you. Very nutritious. One of the superfoods of the world. Cotton candy Ferris wheels. You know, when kids... And families see Ferris wheels like, Mommy, Mommy, Daddy, Daddy. Let me ride on the Ferris wheel. Give me cotton candy. So they go there. And then as you get, come to the outskirts of this Harinam festival, there is fun and games. And as you come closer and closer, there's Harinam and exhibits about the teachings of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu on the inside. So Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati wanted to attract people. He'd create a situation where everyone would look and get attracted and come closer and closer. So a sadhu was always looking around, thinking, how can I help another? Who's going to be attracted? You can see it in their eyes. In Japan, there's a rule that you're not supposed to look at anybody. Like on trains, you know, everyone will pretend they're looking straight ahead. Of course, if you're a foreigner or a big, gigantic American sitting there. They'll, you catch them every once in a while. They're, hey, you looked at me. <laughs> they're like, yeah, I blew it. Totally blew it. So on the street, when we have Harinam, they come along, and if they stop and look, you know they're interested. Because they're tacitly saying, actually, not tacit, it's direct. They're saying, according to the culture, like, I'm into this. They just stop for a minute and look at the Harinam. Right, Magva? Yes. Magva was in Japan for many years. He had a beautiful restaurant there and did Harinam and everything in, in Japan. And so the devotees are always looking around. They're scanning who's interested. Where's that spark? And then they want to bring him closer. So Shivananda Sain, the great sadhu, he saw the dog. And he looked in the dog's eyes and he said, he wants to be with us, with the devotees. He wants to go to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. That's his heart. See, the people who are on the lowest level, they judge people according to their past. This is what they did in the past. Somebody more advanced, they say, forget the past, this is how they are now. So we accept you now, how you are. But the most advanced, the sadhus, they see people for their future. What's their potential? And so Shivananda Sain saw the dog, he's with us, he's a devotee, bring him in. And then he ordered the cook, you have to feed him every day. You make him his nice two cups of rice, so the dog can eat. You see the dogs in India, they're hungry. You see them walking around, they're hungry. You can feed them stuff. And they'll, they'll look at you like, okay, you're my friend. <laughs> so he ordered that the cook, you make sure he gets fed his rice every day. Take care of him. How much did he take care of him? They got to one of the boats. And the boatman said, no dogs. We don't take these dogs on our boat. Shiva and the saint called him aside and said, tell you what, I'll give you a little extra. He paid for the dog. He paid for the dog to get on the boat. His heart was invested in the dog. He wanted him to come. 
to Jagannath Puri, he was with the Vaishnavas. He didn't consider whether he was an animal or a human. He just had his heart that this person wanted to come with us. And then one day, because Shivananda Singh had to take care of all the lodgings and he'd go ahead of the party. And he got back late because it was a, there was a long distance for him to cover. And when he got back, where's the dog? The dog wasn't there, so he asked, well, did you feed him? He said, no, we forgot to feed him. He became so morose, his heart actually hurt because he had taken this dog as inconfident that I'm going to take you to Krishna, I'm going to take you to Lord Chaitanya, and now I betrayed you. So this is the heart of a Vaishnava, thinking, like, how, how can I bring this soul along in Krishna consciousness? This is how the heart of a, of a sadhu aches, that I, I want to see other people come into Krishna consciousness. Paradukaduki, they suffer because of the sufferings of others. Parasukasuki, they're happy when they see other people happy in Krishna consciousness. So all the devotees caught this morose feeling from Shivananda Sain. They saw how distressed he was that they lost the dog. And they all were lamenting. And they came to Puri in a, in a very downtrodden state, uh, their hearts aching. But then when they came to see Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, they found that the dog was sitting with him. The dog was sitting there. And Mahaprabhu, from his own plate, was taking some of the remnants, green coconut pulp, and he was tossing it to the dog. He'd catch it. And then he'd say, chant Krishna. And Mahaprabhu had this rasa going on with the dog. So Shivananda Sain saw this and he came and he offered obeisances to the dog because he wanted to clear his offenses to the dog. He thought, this is better devotee than me. He's sitting with Mahaprabhu and I, I made an offense. I didn't take care of him enough. And then the next day, the dog was gone. He went back to Godhead, says Kaviraj Goswami. Haribo! This is the, the mood of, of the devotees. They're thinking about how I can help other living entities come to Krishna consciousness and go back home, back to Godhead. This is their satisfaction. This is the heart of a sadhu. So if someone comes in the company of a sadhu, then we'll find that sadhu is always looking to see how can I help this person uh, become Krishna conscious, giving instruction and teaching everything that he or she learned in Krishna consciousness. There's a famous devotee in our movement, and she's the daughter of Kripamoy Prabhu, the famous um, sadhu, famous as a sadhu and expert in all the aspects of devotional service. Everybody knows Kripamoy Prabhu, right? Yeah. Yeah. Excellent singer. He knows uh, all the shastras. He does bhujas. He does weddings. And do you know his famous uh, daughter? Of course, there, his wife's famous, too, Guru Charan Padma, Devi Dasi. I know her because I used to go in Sankirtan with her at O'Hare Airport back in the 70s. And then, uh, do you know his two daughters? Yes. Yeah, what's their names for 20 points? 
Genevieve Harrison? <laughs> okay. But now she has an initiated name, right? Yeah. Janava Jeevani. And what's her other sister's name? Tulsi. They're all famous. It's a whole famous family of, of Vaishnavas. So, Janava Jeevan. Janava, Janava Jeevani uh, tells a story when she's, it's recorded, it's a, a videotape. There's no more tapes, but I'll just say that. So there's, she was growing up, and a lot of Vaishnavas, Vaishnavis, when they're growing up, they're not sure about their career track. Am I a devotee because I was born in this family? Is it my choice? Or is it just because that's what everyone expected me to be growing up? Anybody here grew up in a devotee family? Yeah. So, yeah. Have you ever seen that phenomena at a certain age, like around maybe 16 or 17? Have you seen it? Can you say anything about it? Like that liminal space... We'd like to share the mic with you. Krishna. Hey, Krishna. Um, I can't really speak for others so much, but what I've observed, it seems like at a certain point, uh, the body is changing and becoming a young adult. And at that time, the hormones are changing. There's a lot of confusion. And within that confusion, the living entity starts to check out the material world. And, oh, what's this? Uh, oh, what's that? You know, there's so much advertising, there's so much Kali-yuga bombardment outside of our immediate devotee communities in the outside world that it can be quite overwhelming for a young devotee to be exposed to an unprotected environment. Uh, it starts with school, outside school, uh, playground stuff, and then it goes from there to hanging out with non-devotees on the weekends, and then it kind of escalates. So at some point, the living entity has to make a choice, uh, Maya or Krishna. And uh, each individual has their free will to choose. Um, but when that choice is made of free will, um, generally most of uh, the second generation devotees excel pretty amazingly, mm. in my observation. Thank you. Thank you for laying it out for us. It's really important. And it's also important to, about how it's free will. Because once we make a decision ourselves that I'm going to surrender to Krishna, Krishna's the thing, and I'm going to give my life to Krishna. I don't have to be the center anymore. I want Krishna to be the center. Of course, that's a very advanced stage, but that's my intention then there's no more obstacle. There may be some obstacles, but there are no match for that intention that one develops within the heart. That's the, the, the focal point, the fulcrum. That's the fulcrum of, of power in devotional service is one's resolute intention. If we have that resolute purpose, then we'll be successful no matter what. So sometimes, at a certain age, the devotees wonder that, that uh, am I really going to be a devotee? Should I? What about the rest of the world? What about 
my other opportunities and so forth. He's all going through a person's head. So Janava Jivani talks about how she and her family went to Sharnagati. Do you know where that is? It's a farm up in Canada, not too far from Vancouver, I believe. And it's a dev- big devotee farm, obviously. And there was living a, a very famous sadhu, <coughs> female sadhu. Her name was Jamuna Dasi. She was uh, one of uh, Prabhupada's earliest disciples, very famous a devotee for not just singing, but also cooking, and also, uh, most of all, known for being fixed in a, a, this redundant, for her guru, Nishta. She was determined to serve her guru and totally fixed in service to the lotus feet of Srila Prabhupada as her eternal spiritual master. So she, like Chaitanya Mahaprabhu describes in the Chaitanya Charamaya, had the assets of a sadhu. And what did sadhus have? According to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, they have hymns and instructions. And they're doctors. You know doctors carry a little black bag where they have inside? For the devotee doctors, they have hymns, mantras. I have a mantra for you. And I also have instruction how to, how to work the mantra. So when they went and stayed at the home of Jamuna Dasi, Janava Jivani describes how after a few days of watching this sadvi, this um, devotee who's fully dedicated, she never stopped chanting, she was always engaged, always praying to Krishna, offering to Krishna, teaching how to cook, everything about Krishna. In that environment, when she came out, she got into the car, they were leaving, she was sitting in the back seat, And it came through her in a visceral way. She could feel it through her whole body, up her spine, throughout her system, that I've met the person who's my ideal in life. I want to be like her. I want to be a devotee. And this is the power of association with sadhus. They give us the most valuable asset, which is shraddha faith in Krishna, that if I become like this, then I'll be perfect. If I could just be like this person, then everything will be good in my life. I'll be fully satisfied and happy. I want to be that person. I want to follow in his or her footsteps and become a devotee. So this is uh, the most valuable asset. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said that the devotees wander around the universe, like Narada Muni, even when he was a child, before he became the famous Narada Muni, he was wandering. And after he attained liberation, he still wanders. And what does he do? He goes everywhere and he gives his association so that people can have that same feeling that Janava Jivani felt, that Krishna is the thing and my main purpose in life is to become his devotee. And I want to be like that devotee. That's my ideal in life. And when we have that, there's nothing else to be had. That's the perfection of life. And we get it from the heart of the sadhus who love Krishna so much. And they go about the world sharing their association with others. Now, sometimes people get that to a small degree. And then 
they leave the world, they come back in the next life, and they have a predisposition. They're predisposed to devotional service. They'll see devotees on the street and they'll say, hey, that looks like a good idea. They have no idea why. They just think, these are good people. I, th I think they're doing a good thing. This is the, the awakening of Shraddha. In the Brihat Naradiya Purana, it is mentioned, as quoted by Bhaktivinoda Thakur in the Jaiva Dharma, that when one gets sadhu sangha, one gets assets, and it's called bhakti unmukhi sukriti. It's actual wealth. And we have, every one of us, feel right here, you have a bank account in there. Take a note. Check it out. No, go ahead, put your hands there. You have a bank account in here. <laughs> Prabhupada said this. You have a bank account in your heart, and every time you get sadhu sangha, you get a deposit inside. Briyat Nardi Purana says, when you get enough deposit in the heart, then what's born is shraddha. And shraddha starts with a feeling that I think devotees are good people. I think whatever this chanting they're doing, I have no idea what it is, but it's good. We made a film around our Harinam as a documentary film, and there was this young woman who worked at a store, retail store on the same street where we frequent. And she said, I don't know who these people are, and I don't know what this chanting is, but it's really good. <laughs> <laughs> this is the beginning of the, this is the awakening of faith. And then with more sadhu sangha, with more association, which is what one gets after a shraddha, then one gets this idea that well, I'll just go spend time with these people. And then as one spends time with the sadhus, and a sadhu who's following a sadhu, who's following a sadhu, who's following a sadhu, is fully potent to deliver Krishna consciousness to others because it's like a mango being passed down to the trees. And those who are devotees of pure devotees are also pure devotees. They impart the same vibration that is coming from the pure devotee. And so those people then they associate and then they become fully integrated into the spiritual family that takes them back to the spiritual world. And they start with bhajana kriya, which means they get into the practice. They say, whatever devotees are doing, I'm going to do that too. In fact, we started a project during the pandemic to collect faithful people in an online community because we couldn't get together in person. And the main goal was... We didn't want to sell them anything. We didn't want to collect any money from them. We didn't want them to do anything except come back. That was our main goal, our stated goal. All you have to do is come back. Whatever we can do to make them keep coming back, because we knew, according to the Shastra, if people associate with devotees, gradually they'll start acting like devotees by association. It's just a natural course. Sadhu Sangha. And that's what happens. Then they all of a sudden they'll say, I want to do this. And once they have that determination, you can't stop them. We had this little program a long time ago called Bhakti Life that we started in San Jose, California. All, all we took the time for, I would say all we had time for, but all we took the time for was to have a meeting once a month. And there was people started coming. A couple, uh, there was quite a few people. There was two, these two ladies. Uh, Western, 
who came and they were interested in bhakti. And at the time, we were trying to present it in such a way that it wouldn't disturb the minds of a, a Western audience. And we were pulling a lot back from the very straightforward presentation of Krishna consciousness. And as they became more Krishna conscious by being in the association, they started being more demanding. They say, wait a minute, you're not telling us everything. <laughs> and by the way, we know you have some temple around here somewhere. Where is it? Because we were doing it at somebody's house. And we hadn't revealed everything to them. And one day they practically burst into the program. And they said, we found it. We got neck beads and we got... <laughs> so this is the sprouting of bhakti when it comes up in the heart. Then it's a very powerful force that comes from the sadhu sangha, and then people want to become engaged in devotional service. They let me do this too. Let me in. I want to be a part of this whole program. So this whole Krishna consciousness movement is meant to impart devotee association to all the people of the world. We are not an insular society. We are meant to be open and fluid and bringing people in. As one pastor, not in Christian conscious movement, but he's a preacher in the Christian um, faith, says, it's not how many people you seat, it's how many people you send that counts. Means he's training people to go out and bring more people back in. And this is the the uh, nature of sadhus, as Prahlad Maharaj himself said, and this was the mood of Prabhupada, I don't want to go to the caves and the mountains, remote place, and just become shanti, shanti, shanti. said, I want to go to the busiest place, and I want to be there so that I can do good for the people who are living in the big cities and towns and who are overwhelmed by maya and they've taken this huge burden on their heads. So one of the ways that this happens is the devotees go out and they sing in the streets. And Bhaktivinoda Thakur wrote several songs about the um, preaching of Krishna consciousness. And some of them, are, he wrote, that these are for patrolling about town. How are we doing for time, by the way? Did I already go over? So he, wrote, he writes in a notation of these songs from Sharanakati and Gitavali that these are for patrolling about town. So the devotees would go around and they would sing these songs and it would attract the people. They'd hear them, of course they're in Bengali, but they're beautiful songs and people would hear them and then they'd want to also join in the kirtan and go home with the devotees, take prasad and also take up the life of going back home, back to Godhead. Gopal Prabhu gave me this in Govardhan. We go to Govardhan, we have been going to Govardhan 19 years straight and we camp out at Govardhan Hill with Gopal Prabhu, Havi, Nirkula comes, stays nearby, and many devotees. And we uh, just read Bhagavatam for five hours a day. We just do this like all day long. Every day for Kartik, 30 days. And when you walk out, the world just doesn't look the same. But one Kartik, Gopal Prabhu gave me this thing and a couple of drumsticks. And we had a kirtan on Govardhan Puja. We start up on the roof and we talk about Govardhan pastimes. We have somebody give a talk and then there's uh, a kirtan that starts on the roof. And if you've ever been to this fortress in Govardhan, 
It belonged to a small-time king. Doesn't that sound funny? What do you do? I'm a small-time king. <laughs> in fact, you could put that on your immigration form. If you're ever coming in and it says occupation, just put small-time king. <laughs> they might let you in or not. And then, so we started a kirtan, and there's a big hallway. Uh, it's a enclosed, but it has some openings to the outside. That sounds funny. Uh, there's a there's a, like a, a stairwell, and when you go in the stairwell, the sound somehow, like not somehow, it's, it's physics. It amplifies. Here also in there. And in here too, yeah, right? We do it often. Yeah, here and also like in Toronto when they have the Rathiatra, everyone's waiting. This, you know, the thousands of devotees having kirtan, they're waiting till they get under the bridge. Because then they go crazy. <laughs> so then we have this kirtan up there, and then we go down the stairs, and there we got down, we do go puja, and we go circumambulate the cows. So then we had this kirtan, and we just sang one tune for like a couple hours. Maybe I'm exaggerating, but I like to do that. And so we had a kirtan, and we sang this tune. It's on tape, but the, the devotees were in so much ecstasy, they couldn't stop dancing. And it was because this little thing that Gopal gave me. <laughs> Sounds like the cows coming back. <laughs> Krishna coming back from the pasture, right? Krishna's coming home. But uh, we sang this one tune. I'll just sing this tune one time so you get a hang of it. But I, I've heard this tune since the early days and a couple impressions. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm in a kirtan or a bhajan and I hear one of my favorite devotees sing it and there's just something that the lights at the same time, there's this mood, there's feeling, it goes in your heart and it never leaves. This is one of the assets of a devotee association. If you can get around a sadhu and then they, you hear them sing a song, that song goes in your heart and it never leaves. And you always have it. And whenever you sing the song again, you're back there in that place in the spiritual world. Govardhan's the spiritual world. So I heard this tune when I was, first came to Krishna Consciousness, but one day I was in Navadweep. Uh, and I was, uh, many years ago, it was in the 70s. And I saw a godbrother of mine who I liked very much. He's a very kind of famous devotee and very powerful kirtan leader. And I was getting off a boat and I saw him standing with, with some of his uh, devotees, his crew. And he was singing this tune. And he looked like a lion to me. His name's Gukripa. And he, he helped to build the, the, the Vrindavan I mean, single-handedly collect the money for it with help of, of his team and everything like that. And his tear tubs can be very fierce, intense. So he's singing this song, and I felt, these are like lions going into battle, this song. And then I heard it another time at Rathiatra in New York, and Vyasaki Prabhu, the great kirtan singer, you know Vyasaki Prabhu? Some people send me his mail, and he gets mine. <laughs> Not really that close, but I guess it starts with a V. We used to joke about that all the time. But he sang this one tune for the whole Rathiatra. And he's a consummate kirtan singer. And he sang it all the way down, one tune, no two parts, no three parts, no change up, everything just straightforward with this one tune. And everyone was swept away by this tune. It sounds like just a victorious march into battle. How is everyone? Everyone okay? Yes. Very much okay. Okay. So now, uh, let's take a little time for some reflections or questions to expand the conversation. Means a, a reflection means anything that you heard in the 
monologue so far, that, or in the songs, or anything you felt, or realized in this assembly so far today, or any other time, starting this morning, that uh, stuck in your mind, that you want to reflect back, because you're, you're catching all these things, they're um, growing in your heart, and then when you put them back, it amplifies. And then we're able, all able to take them into our, our hearts also. So what kinds of things have you heard that stuck in your mind so far? Yes. And uh, the mic will come to you in seven seconds or less, or your money back from today's <laughs> program. That your heart is the bank account, and each time you have a song and you put a deposit, so powerful. Yeah. Thank you for remembering that. We can remember that, as Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, 16th chapter, Prabhupada mentions in his purport that human life is meant for accumulating daivi sampat. That means spiritually based credits. And those go right in the heart. That's our asset. That's the only asset that we actually get to keep that's worth anything. Yeah, thank you for remembering. Nice. Okay, a few more. Go, Paul. Um, I was uh, recalling from your talk today that these three things, Shraddha, Rati, and Bhakti, that when we have some faith, then we have Sarvasanga, and from that Sarvasanga it grows into some Rati attachment. So attachment is where you place your heart, and then, and then Bhakti develops. Nice. There's a word in that last line of today's verse from the Bhagavatam, Anukramishruti. Krama means to step, and Anu means one thing follows another. And there's a way that through Shravanam Kirtanam, that all other evolutions or uh, all the other growth of bhakti takes place from Shravanam and Kirtanam. This confirmed especially thoroughly in a verse from the Sri from the Sri Upadeshamrita. Uh, the verse, the original verse goes, Tanama Rupa Charitari Sukirtananu Smritya Kramena Rasanamanasin Yoja Tishtan Vraje Tananuragi Jananugami Kalamna Yad Akilam Itupadesha Saram. And Rupa Goswami says that you could organize, you should organize your life around this principle of hearing, chanting, etc. It starts with hearing and chanting, as will be confirmed in the purport. And then as you do this, then naturally you'll uh, gain attraction for the spiritual world. How do you gain attraction for the spiritual world? You get attracted to the residents there. The residents, in, uh, especially in Goloka Vrindavan or Vraja, Vrajadam or, or Boma Vrindavan, either place, same. And there are associates of Krishna. And by hearing from Bhagavatam, hearing in the association of like-minded devotees, then gradually one... Uh, starts to take an interest, uh, a very deep interest in having an attraction for a particular kind of service that a devotee is doing in the spiritual world, and then one follows in the footsteps of that person and comes to live him or herself in uh, Vrindavan Dham. So in the purport, Prabhupada quotes his spiritual master and talking about how the whole process of Raganuga Bhakti, Ragatmika Bhakti, following in the footsteps of the residents of Rajas, it all starts with hearing and chanting. Nothing more needed. You just uh, have to hear and chant. Uh, and the Bhagavatam has everything. 
vikriditam rajavadur virahancha vishnu shadhanvito nashinu yad apad varnayedya, sorry I blew that, uh, <clears throat> that's, if you hear about Krishna's pastimes, then gradually then all the impurities within your heart will vanish and you'll become situated in the spiritual world. Okay, thank you. And then, then there's a few more. Madhva Prabhu. You were giving Prabhu the example with Shiva Prabhupada, how he was gradually, he was, of course, you know, by his own testimonies and his, for example, he was beautiful his whole life since childhood, but later on he gradually manifested his real nature after this uh, miraculous meeting with his guru. And uh, Krishna is giving us guru. This is Krishna is giving us guru. And then guru is giving us Krishna. And this transcendental conspiracy is <laughs> like. Uh, so intense, it's so magical, and it's just magic. It's just life is not anymore the same life. And, 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 and also, uh, you indicated about how this, uh, the faith, Shraddha, uh, we actually, uh, it gets uh, uh, ripened gradually in due course of time by Krishna's arrangement and by association of the devotees. Like Prabhupada, he was stricken by this, uh, what he heard, but it took him a while to uh, really digest and uh, comprehend the whole depth of everything. So later on when he was studying Gita and Vishnu uh, Chakravarti's spectacle, uh, commentaries on the verse you quoted, Gavasayatmika uh, and then he, this revelation, this really, changed him. He, 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 already he was deeply connected with his guru, but at that moment he, like, this opened further his, deepened his understanding. And so this process of when we stay exposed to the uh, Shravanam, Kirtanam, and uh, Sadhu Sangha, and then this gets ripened, uh, ripened the, further, this faith and everything, Everything nourishes so nicely in the South of Sangha, and it's uh, it's just nectar. It, I don't know. It's just nectar. <laughs> I wanted to add a, an a, a auxiliary point to that, and that is that Juva Maharaj began his quest for God because he wanted something, and after he met Krishna, he didn't want anything, but Krishna still gave it to him anyway, said, you take it, you ask for it. And he became a celebrated pure devotee to Dhruva. His stepmother, who had treated him harshly and actually had pushed him away from his father, from sitting on his lap, as we all know, had uh, reaped the effects of uh, Vaishnava Parata. So the fact was that little Dhruva wasn't a, a pure Vaishnava or a Vaishnava yet when she offended him, but still accounted later that she had offended a Mahabhagavat because he became a Mahabhagavat. So it's something to consider that anybody on the path of pure devotional service, whatever situation they may be in now, according to Krishna's Admonition to Arjuna, Sri Prambhavati Dharmatma, Shashvash Chantyam Nigashati, Kotiyat Pratijanihi Name Bhakti Pranashatis. 
this person will very quickly become perfect in devotional service, then one should be careful about transgressing the laws of uh, mistreating Vaishnavas. Did I say that correctly or is that bad English? No. One should not criticize Vaishnavas. Be very careful of that because you might say, well, they're not following very strictly so I can criticize. But later they may become pure devotees. And then still you get charged for it. <laughs> so be careful <laughs> as of what they may be, of what they will become. Prabhu, lights on. If you allow me to quote one uh, one day. Not only we allow, we insist upon it. Yes, Oscar Wilde. He yeah. said, every saint has past and every sinner has future. <laughs> so, like, when Mahaprabhu uh, did his miracle on the guy and Madai, they became Jagannath and Madhava. And later on, he explicitly, he taught the devotees, never, ever, just forget their past. Never consider it. It's, it's not happen, didn't happen at all. It's uh, never consider them anyhow less than any other Bhagavad, Mahatma, whoever, born Brahmana, Vaishnava, whatever. Never. So this is Mahaprabhu's personal. There is no higher authority. So this is it. It's May I add to that? The sins from Jagai Madai were absorbed in the body of Krishna. And while he was absorbing all of them, his body became black. And all the devotees who were his associates looked around, were looking at him with astonishment. He said, how do I look? <laughs> and they said, you look like Krishna. <laughs> because Mahaprabhu's golden color became black. And Mahaprabhu then said that all the sins of Jagai Madai, they will be reserved. They're sitting in a little, one of, you know those storage, storage places you can get if you can't keep all the stuff in your house? They're in one of those things. And for anybody who commits Vaishnava Parad, those are waiting for, for you. It said Chaitanya Bhagavad. You can take those, the sins from Jagai Madai for criticizing. Yes. On that same line, I also think sometimes that if I develop in Krishna consciousness and I become more saintly or more well-behaved, also all those friends, relatives and people I was in high school with and would give a kind word or, or gave a contribution to my life. I was not a devotee, I was not uh, living a devotional life or a saint life, but they still helped me out of just uh, selflessness. So I, I sometimes think they will, some, somehow they will get also benefited and the more purified you will, the greater benefit. Is that correct? I, I yeah, it's, it's proven in the Srimad Bhagavatam after Pallad Maharaj asked for a benediction for his father. Actually, he didn't want any benediction, but Lord Nishingadev insisted upon it. And Pallad said, I didn't, I didn't want a benediction. I'm your servant, that's it. I'm not a vanik. I don't want any uh, tit for tat. I did this, you give me something. Nishingadev said, no, I'm Bhagavan. I give benedictions, you take. He said, well, please, you saved my father. He said, done already. That's already done. Because generations, before and after, and some places say, depending on the quality of the Vaishnava, they're delivered because of the presence of the Vaishnava. Of course, you can always throw in friends and yeah, your friends that's, from that's high sort school. Of my point is like, yeah. It's all good. The, the, this is why devotional service is all auspicious, because it's the best thing you can do for everybody, for every living entity in the world. This is one of the points that Rupa Goswami makes in the Nectar Devotion. 
And when you take to the path of devotional service, it does good for everyone, including your associates. They'll say Hare Krishna. I have a Hare Krishna friend. <laughs> then it's too late. They already said it. <laughs> okay, a couple more, and then we gotta we have a fun break. Yes, Prabhu. Prabhu, you mentioned that uh, devotees of pure devotees are pure devotees. Does that apply to any kind of disciples or? Those who already reached the level of Madhyam and Yeah, they, uh, if one is following strictly a uh, pure devotee and one is counted among the associates of that pure devotee, and of course one can effectively liberate others. In fact, Prabhupada says in the Chaitanya Charitamrita that if one has complete faith in the Holy Name, that the Holy Name and Krishna are non-different, that uh, one is uh, considered to be a pure devotee. He also said in relationship to the deity, if one understands and considers the deity to be Krishna himself, is considered to be a pure devotee and also can deliver others. So one may be a neophyte, Prabhupada says, but if one has this faith, then one can deliver others. And we see practically how when Prabhupada came to the United States to start with, people came who were obviously in the beginning stage, so much so that Malati Prabhu says that when she first started to do her outreach, she went out to teach people the Hare Krishna Ma Mantra, but she had to have it written on a piece of paper because she didn't know the Ma Mantra. She just knew that it was non-different from Krishna and she should give it to other people. And they were so highly effective were Malati, Shamasundar, and Gurudas, and uh, Janaki? Yeah, Mukunda, and uh, Jabuna, yeah. That, that they were able to get uh, the, the Beatles, George Harrison. That really changed everything. That was their faith. They were, they were neophytes. But because they were representing Prabhupada in a just straightforward, innocent way, with full faith, they were highly effective in spreading pure devotional service effectively all over the world. And Prabhupada gives credit to his disciples. He says in several places, he gives credit to his disciples, just as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu used to do. It's not me, it's them, for spreading the Krishna consciousness movement. I hope that was an answer to your question. Was it? Okay, Prabhu. Thank you. Yes, Prabhu. I appreciated how you were bringing out the mood of the devotee by citing Shivananda Sena interaction with the dog. That he he wasn't just he wasn't held back by the external trappings of the living entities and he sees a person who has some inkling towards devotional service and things. How can I support and encourage this person, whatever their situation? Yes, and it reminded me of a vignette that I wanted to tell about our time at Govardhan Hill, which is some of my most cherished time. And we had been reading the chapter. We read the whole 11th canto together there in a group of devotees. Hubby Prabhu was there. And Gopal was probably there. 
that you're, and then what we do, our program would be, we read five hours in the day, and then in the morning time, we go on uh, Govardhan Parikram, right after Mangalartik. We do the whole Parikram, come back, get ready for breakfast, and then we start our reading program. And um, that was kind of like an athletic event. <laughs> so just uh, the night before, we had read a chapter on bhakti in the 11th canto, and Krishna says that a, a Vaishnava offers obeisances even to a dog because realizes that, that Krishna's in the heart. And so the next day when we were on the parikram, we were just coming along towards Uddhavakund, you know, around that time, if you leave the Bhaktivedanta ashram, right after Mangalarti, it's still dark, until you get around uh, the temp, the, the very uh, tip of Govardhan, the end part where the Lakshmi Shringa temple is, you come around the corner, start heading up towards Radhakund. Before you get to Radhakund, you get to Uddhavakund, and then the sun's coming up. It's really beautiful. So then the sun's coming up, and there are about seven of us in this uh, pack going around Govardhan, sort of, you know, ambitiously moving as fast as we can. And then we got to Uddhavakund, we always stopped there because there's a sadhu. Unfortunately, he just passed away recently. He was there for but he used to give benedictions. He'd sit there. He'd give out the uh, charnamrita as if that wasn't good enough. Whenever you get charnamrita, I always put my head down in front of him. He'd tap me on the head and he'd go, happy, happy, happy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this morning, this very morning I'm talking about, we're, we're all charging up the hill. It's a slight grade going up to the Uddhavakund. And there was this dog dog. You know what a dom dog is? Dog lives in the dom. <laughs> and you know, they don't even know how fortunate they are. They just hang out in the dog. And a lot of times dogs, they get on their back and they roll around. Have you ever seen that? Yeah. They just, like, there's some patch of dirt and it's like, ah. <laughs> so we got up to Uddhavakun and right in front of the temple, there was this dom dog. And he was on his back and he was like rolling around like this, upside down. We all spontaneously just got down and offered our obeisances to the dog because we just read it in the Bhagavatam and we're just feeling it. You know, we're on Parikram, there's no better feeling. You're out huffing around the Dham and uh, you're going back to have Kitri Prashadam and then sit down and read Bhagavatam for five hours. I mean, life doesn't get any better than that. We were happy. So then we see the dog confirmed. We see we see the dog rolling on his back, and all seven of us got down and offered obeisance. So the dog's on his back, and he looks at us like, and he sees these like seven people offering obeisances. He goes, what? <laughs> he jumps back on his feet, and he's looking at us. Goes, me? <laughs> and we're going, yeah, you. <laughs> you're, we were saying like you're more fortunate than we are, and he's like. All right, you know, and he, he just went off. And, and we felt very satisfied because we just read Bhakti's very simple, offer obeisances to all living beings. And it's a simple, happy, happy life if we see Krishna within the hearts of every living being. Of course, we're not meant to imitate that wherever we go. Prabhupada points that out in the Ishapanishad. Don't try to act like an Uttama Adhikari. That was a, just a kind of spontaneous occurrence. 
and not that we go around everywhere offering obeisances to dogs, but that's the mood, that's the feeling of bhakti that I feel that they're all more qualified than me and we show respect to all living entities. Okay, we have time. Yes, Manva. Uh, well, to speak of the devotees, uh, even on much lower standard of dharma, not, not going to bhakti, uh, the attitude toward other living entities, and particularly dogs, for example, is a standard for testing somebody's uh, real advancement. Like uh, the demigods themselves, the devotees often take the form of a dog or some very low shudra or outcast or something, chandala. But this is very common. They take the form of a such creature to test the uh, the, the the genuinity of some uh, brahmana or somebody king or, or let's say some devotee. So it's like it's it's normal, like Maharajadishthir and the dog and so many others. Like uh, so, it's common thing. So that's why it's uh, this is normal test of what we are doing, our attitude to, toward others, towards other living entities. It's, it's like a very common thing. That's good to keep in mind. Any interaction we're having is kind of a test. That's why I like book distribution so much is because it's really a instant feedback. How are we advancing Krishna consciousness? How I'm able to deal with the people that I meet here, there, and everywhere. Well, this morning, starting with the Srimad Bhagavatam class, we began the topic of Sadhu Sangha, which is one of the five Angas of Bhakti. The five that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu mentions are so potent that even if you're connected to them a little bit, even if you don't have faith in them, you'll become perfect in Bhakti. That's how powerful these are. And the first one, as we've started today, was Sadhu Sangha. Tomorrow we'll be discussing the Holy Name. Jananda Swami Maharaj will be giving the Bhagavatam class tomorrow about the Holy Name, and then we'll continue uh, talking about that uh, tomorrow. So we can keep in mind that Sadhusanga is the root cause of devotional service, Janmamul. It's the root, it's where bhakti is born, and it's how it's maintained, so we can take full advantage of that and make advancement in devotional service. <laughs>